welcome to Sunday Morning at First Presbyterian Church. I'm Pastor Danny Deeth, and I want to welcome you to this special Pentecost celebration. Pentecost is the day where we celebrate the giving of the Spirit to those original disciples and the impact that it had on them, their community, and the world. What do these symbols of fire and dove really mean? Well, let's find out together. Come on in. Our first lesson today comes from Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. Please join me. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, from heaven, there came a sound like a rush of a violent wind, and in it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues, as of fire, appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in a native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all these who are speaking Galilean? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamplia, Egypt and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, in our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said, they are filled with new wine. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And we are continuing on where Laz left off in the book of Acts, in Acts 2. The giving of the Holy Spirit. We stopped in verse 13. I'll read that again and then continue 14 through 21. Listen for the word of the Lord. But others sneered and said, they are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams, even upon my slaves, both men and women. In those days, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heavens above and signs on earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. 
The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then, then, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So in the spirit of our VBS, Vacation Bible School, starting this week, I will lead you through once and then invite you to join me. If back from your camps, conference, and VBS days, you remember this one, jump on in. <clears throat> Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Melt me, mold me, fill me, use me. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Together. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Melt me, mold me, fill me, use me, Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. Tricked you. So indeed, we are gathered today to celebrate this Pentecost journey. Well, what does that mean? For us in our Reformed Presbyterian tradition, the simple word itself, Pentecost, is simply 50 days from Easter. We are roughly seven weeks from when Jesus was raised from the dead. The word penta in Pentecost, like uh, the the Pentagon, a five-sided building. It is the five in 50 days since Easter. Pentecost, simple. Like many of the things that we Christians stole from our Jewish friends, we stole the festival at that time, Sukkot, which was a giving of the first fruits of the harvest of the agricultural season and also marks the giving of, of the Ten Commandments when Moses came down from Sinai and the law, the Torah, was given. So we use that at same period. God used that same period and then gave this gift of the Spirit on those disciples. Now, Let's talk real quick about the symbols. We're all on fire up here. What is it about fire that speaks of the Holy Spirit? Doesn't fire burn? Isn't fire scary? Well, it can be. 
so can water. And yet we are all called as Jesus was to be baptized. And Jesus talks about the fountain of life and the water that when you take it in, you will never thirst. The fire in this case comes as a symbol of God's presence. If you remember Moses and the burning bush and what happened to the bush, was it burned up by that destructive fire? No, it was not consumed. It was the presence of God. And as Vicki already mentioned, today when the spirit descends, something like divided tongues of fire rested upon their heads. That's weird. But it did. Another symbol of God's presence, another symbol that the spirit was doing something amazing in that time and place. What about a dove? We know that the dove is a symbol of the Holy Spirit, not only bringing peace as the great flood and Noah in the ark sent forth at one point, the dove that came back and then came back and then brought an olive leaf back to show that the waters had started to receive. And then the last time it didn't come back, meaning there was some place for that dove to land new beginnings, an understanding of a new peace in journey with God. The big piece of that Holy Spirit, that dove symbol comes from when Jesus was baptized himself. And if you remember the skies opened up and something like a dove, that Holy Spirit descended upon Christ and we heard the voice of God, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. So when we talk about Pentecost, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we talk in terms of fire, a fire that doesn't burn, it isn't destructive, but yet shapes us like the refiner's fire in Malachi 3. If you remember that refiner's fire continues to shape, to mold, remove the impurities from metal to get the finished result. That is our journey in our life. God and the Holy Spirit through Christ continue to shape, mold, and form us through this refiner's fire that is not for our harm, but for our good. And of course, this spirit, breath, and wind, again, as Vicki spoke of, they were there in that place. And I want to make the point first that just when Jesus came and appeared to the disciples first, where were they? All spread out? Were they all running around town? They were together in one place. The first time Jesus appeared to them and was resurrected to them. Remember uh, in John's account, uh, Thomas, who we called Dyering Thomas, wasn't there and said, well, I, they all said he saw him. And he said, well, I don't, I don't believe it unless I see it. But they were together in one place, except for Thomas in that case. And it's the same thing with this Holy Spirit. Now, remember the mindset of the disciples. They had now seen, they had gone through the events of the crucifixion, the resurrection, 
but they haven't quite figured it all out, put it all together. They were still struggling, even though they have seen, spoke with, and spent time with the resurrected Christ. They are still uncertain. They are still unsure of who they are, what they're supposed to do, and how to start. What do we do from here? So again, just like the first time Jesus appeared to them after resurrection, they are together in one place. It speaks to the communal nature of who we are as Christians and as a church and as every church as we are called to be a family in this larger community. We speak often of how you can and absolutely should have a personal relationship with Christ, but if you stay in your little silo, if you stay separated and isolated from everyone else, how do you grow? Well, you don't. You need other people. You need other experiences. You need to go and serve with Christ and scripture on your mind and heart. You need to be in Bible studies so that you are learning and growing and listening to what others have to say. I see it this way. Oh, you see it that way. That's fascinating. You're still wrong, but fascinating. The communal nature of our faith cannot be spoken enough. And yet we often take this individual approach, which again is crucial and important. Sometimes people come to Christ in groups first, whether that's at the retreat or the mission trip or the outing or the service or what have you sometimes, and then starts from a group introduction to Christ, and then they will find an acceptance and open themselves to welcome that spirit in. And sometimes it's just the opposite. You may have an individual encounter, something that you feel is connected for you to God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. All, all of that is fine. All of that works whether it's a momentary conversion or you look back over your life and you see that there is no other way for you to have come to where you are than the spirit leading you and guiding you, whether you ever knew that or not. But we cannot do this alone. Christ came to them together in one place. The spirit comes to them together in one place. Paul will go into the world and baptize not as individuals, but into a community. We have often lost that sense that when we are baptized, that when we come to Christ in a variety of ways, as the spirit calls us, that we think, well, I'm in, I got it. I believe, yes, Lord, I'm here. And then it's like we never heard or encountered God in Christ at all. We are meant to be a part of a worshiping community. It is by design. Look how strong the people of Israel were in the, the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament. They were a family that God grew together. And now God is changing all the rules with the giving of the spirit to who? Just the house of just the Jews? Is it just the Gentiles, meaning those who were non-Jews? Is it one or the other? Is it both? 
It is both here. Yes, Jerusalem had swelled at this point. It was this visiting, it was this traveling festival that they were called into Jerusalem, but it was far more than just those who had gathered. And it was far more that just happened in that room for they started in that room and what did they hear? That spirit rolled. They heard it, they felt it. Then they kind of spilled out into the street and then something like flames, didn't say flames, it said like flames, that's more a simile, like or as as opposed to a metaphor. Life is like a box of chocolates. Fora says that's a simile. If Forrest would have said life is a box of chocolates, that's a metaphor. But here they say it was like divided tongues of flames that rested on them, like God's presence with them, like the spirit filling them. And what did it cause them to do? They started talking, not babbling. They started speaking words. It wasn't nonsense. It wasn't blah, 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 blah. This wasn't even a spiritual language. That's a glossolalia. That's, that's what comes in 1 Corinthians for some who were called into that gift of the spirit. This is not that. This is a bunch of hit Galileans who shouldn't be educated enough, and they weren't, to speak languages of everyone who was gathered in all of those cities that Laz spoke so well from different places, different languages. It would just be like me starting to speak Swahili or something that I have and no connection with. It may feel like nonsense to me, but all of those people who speak that are hearing it. And what is all of this language doing? It is talking about the great and amazing deeds of God. It didn't say, I need those who are Democrats on this side and those who are Republicans over here. I need you to fight it out and debate to see who's right. And then I will come upon those who win. That's often what I think we think. Peter quotes Joel and at the end of it says, then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Not some, not the ones that agree with us, not the ones that look like us, not just the ones that worship with us, not just those who believe what we believe, not just those in our city, town, nation, all of those who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And all 200 denominations of Christians in this world, all 45,000 Christian denominations worldwide, all those 2 billion Christians around the world, all started here. It is new life, it is a new beginning. Just as those who were freed from Egypt came through the Red Sea and started a new life as God's people. This is our Christian equivalent of that. 
The Spirit comes, fills them, and from this point on, they have no questions. They have no doubts. Peter starts preaching, and they don't look back. They go out into the world to tell everybody what happened in the story of Christ and giving, imparting the gift of the Spirit as they continue to grow out and out. 3,000 that day from nothing, from those 12 to 3,000 in a day. That's not bad. And from there, our Christian family continued to grow. And today we are being called in the same way. That spirit filled them and changed them from within. They didn't have this encounter as many of us do with God and then tuck it away Maybe I can talk about it at a Sunday school event or sometime. I've got a moment. I've got a God moment. I can put that away and tuck it down. No, they could not contain it. They had to go and risk their own lives, their family's life, their vocation, their future, everything, so that others would know what they had seen. Our prayer is that we would receive the Spirit today. That spirit that we've spoken of the last couple of weeks that fills us with life, that comforts us, that walks with us, that helps us to learn, to grow, to remember, convicts us when we have gone astray, keeps pushing us like that refiner's fire. Sometimes it feels difficult if we're not out of our comfort zone in our Christian journey, then we are not growing. Spirit pushes us out when we let that spirit in. If you remember in our sermon two weeks ago, we talked about Adam being created and the Ezekiel vision, the valley of the dry bones. God formed them and they were nothing until what? God blew life into them, but God wasn't done yet. We can bring life into us and be a little lightheaded when you blow into a balloon. But if you keep that spirit within you and do not act, do not let it go, you stay like this. Filled with the Holy Spirit, I am who would know it, nobody. Who's doing the work of the Spirit? Not me, but I've got it. The key is to let the Spirit move you. Use that Spirit to do what? And go where? I did that with my mind. The Spirit goes where it will, and the Spirit will lead you where it will. And when you use that gift of the Spirit, amazing things will happen. So open yourself today to the prompting of this Spirit. For it is one that is absolutely for our benefit. It is one that shapes, it keeps us connected. It is the presence of God with us now and forever. And we need to follow the prompting of the Spirit. You've all been given gifts and we are being called like those first disciples at Pentecost to use them.
I will close with a, a prayer from Augustine. It says, breathe in me, O Holy Spirit, that my thoughts may be holy. Act in me, O Holy Spirit, that my work too may be holy. Draw my heart, O Holy Spirit, that I love but what is holy. Strengthen me, O Holy Spirit, to defend all that is holy. Guard me then, O Holy Spirit, that I always may be holy. Amen.